Welcome to the Melton Forge Works podcast. I'm going to take you along on my day-to-day adventures in bladesmithing and blacksmithing. I'll be talking about the people involved in the craft and the tools and the methods that go along with it. So thanks for listening. Hey there, I'm back. Today is May the 18th and it's about 920 in the evening, I'm going out for a little walk down the street. It's actually been raining a lot today, and uh, but it's dry right now, so I'm going to try to get out and uh, get some kind of a walk or some exercise in, and I thought I would catch you up on what I've been up to. Um, I've been fooling around with my 3D printer a good bit lately, and I'm um, actually using it for blacksmithing purposes. So what I mean by that is um, there's a uh, music festival. It's like a music slash craft beer festival that they have in uh, Clinton, Mississippi. And it's going to happen at the end of the summer. And um, I signed up to be a, uh, a vendor or an artisan at that event. And um, it's kind of it's kind of like a... Well, that's a local craft fair, basically, but um, I figured it would be a good place to sell bottle openers. And so I started thinking about how I make my bottle openers and how I could make um, my bottle openers faster and more consistent. And, um, you know, the the process of making a bottle opener most blacksmiths that make their make their bottle openers out of flat bar generally do it the same you know you you uh usually slot punch a hole and then you drift that hole open with successfully or successive larger round drifts until you get the hole to the size that it needs to be and what i was taught was that you need to drift until you're at about one inch or at about the size of a quarter. And, uh, and then you can, you know, shape that however you want. Some people forge their bottle openers into like an oval. Some do kind of this weird, uh, almost triangular shape. You know, I generally just leave mine kind of round and, uh, forge it open on the horn and, forge the tab in then do whatever I'm going to do to the handle well the the thing about making bottle openers in mass you know if you're going to make a batch of let's say you're going to make 50 of them you know you could batch that operation out and do all the slot punching at one time then do all the drifting at another time and so on and so forth and, and I started thinking that the the drifting of that hole is the most time-consuming part. And I started thinking about how much time it takes me to do that. And so I thought about getting some blanks cut, uh, like by a laser or CNC place or something, to where I just have a piece of rectangular bar with a, you know, with the hole already formed on the end. And then, you know, I could forge out a bunch of bottle openers pretty quickly and some people might say that's cheating and I'm okay with that because at the end of the day my goal is to have a bunch of product 
My goal is not to prove to someone that I can forge and drift around whole. I can do that. <laughs> I've done that a bunch of times. So anyway, um, what I did was I went and uh, opened up Tinkercad, which is a website. It's a free 3D design website. And um, I designed, you know, just basically a bottle opener blank. And then I downloaded that and converted it to an STL file. And then I sent that over to my 3D printer and printed what I had just designed. And um, had to make sure I got the dimensions right. So I wanted to print a physical representation of it so I could kind of feel it in my hand before I paid some steel company to cut laser cut me a bunch of blanks and so I printed uh I think I printed three different shapes until I got the one that I liked and then I used a company called sendcutsend.com and I think it wound up costing me about two dollars and eighty cents per blank and uh which which isn't you know which is not bad uh, that's time well spent or money well spent in my opinion because that's time that i'm not going to spend so those blanks are due back tomorrow and uh it just so happens so what i did was i ordered 10 of them just just to start just to make sure that that this was a process that i was going to like and, and to make sure that I was going to like what the end product looked like. And so, anyway, those 10 blanks are supposed to be in the mail tomorrow arriving to me. And so I'm going to try to forge one of those out and see what it looks like. And uh, if it works out well, then I'm going to order 100 of them. And <clears throat> then between now and the end of the summer, I'll forge... You know, 100 bottle openers and have them ready for that fair and uh, because I'm saving some time I can probably lower the price on them a little bit which might help me sell more of them so anyway that is one thing that I've been up to I also I finally painted the uh, the other tire hammer the new tire hammer and I painted it red and it's ready to go I just have to get it bolted down to the floor and move it around or move it and then bolt it. But the the spot where I previously had a second tire hammer now has about a thousand pounds of 1045 stacked in that corner from my uh, shop cleanup. So before I can move the tire hammer into that corner, I got to move all that 1045 material to a different part of the shop so i'm going to work on that probably this next weekend and in the meantime i've been working on some other orders from the web store more stake turners and things like that and uh oh i've been working through a batch of iron man outdoors crosses and it's funny, you know, I do those in batches. I do those crosses for Iron Man Outdoors in batches of either 50 or 75 at a time. And um, when I first started doing those, I was doing everything in the gas forge. And 
that was the first few batches. And um, I think the first few batches I did, I also had the little red power hammer, which was a 25-pound uh, Anyang ST, which ran super fast. I mean, it ran like a sewing machine. And um, it was really great for texturing. And so I was doing all the texturing of those crosses on that little power hammer. Well, then I sold that little power hammer and got the, the larger power hammer, the 88. And it's, I like it, obviously, but it's not as good for doing that light texture work. And so I had to find a different way to do it. So I started hand hammering the texturing and then I got the induction forge. And so instead of using the gas forge, I was using the induction forge. So my process for these crosses has changed pretty significantly and um, I noticed when I was working through this latest batch I was thinking about how different my process for making these crosses is today as it was as opposed to how it was you know a year and a half or two years ago and it's it's pretty interesting to think back about how I used to do it then versus how I do it now and the the difference in how they look. And uh, I dug up a picture of one of the first batches of those crosses and they looked good, but they don't look as good as they look now. And I think part of that has to do with, uh, I'm using the induction forge now and I don't quite generate as much scale on the steel when I'm heating it up to do what I need to do um, for each forging operation. And uh, so now, uh, you know, when I used to do those big batches of crosses, one of the last steps I would do was I would take all those crosses and put it in a big bucket full of either vinegar or muriatic acid or something to get the scale off because they were all really scaly. And, uh, I'm not having to do that now. And so now I pretty much finish each, each cross. cross. Um, when I do the final forging operation, I run over while it's still hot and I do a, uh, a wire wheel uh, while it's hot and it knocks off whatever little bit of scale is on there. And it leaves it with this really, really great finish. I mean, it's like, it's super clean. It looks really nice. And I don't, I'm not going to have to do anything else to these, you know, other than, uh, put the matte clear coat on them. And, um, I just noticed that with the way my, uh, process has been changing, you know, not only am I getting a little faster, but the product's getting better. They look nicer. Um, yeah, so it's just kind of, it's kind of neat to do a little self-observation as you go through batch work over time to see how you know how you learn to use your tooling in different ways your the products that you're making generally or they should either stay the same or look better and um, in this case it seems like they're looking better so <clears throat> again I'm out walking so if I'm a little out of breath that's why I'm trying to think what else I've been doing in the shop that I could catch you up on. Uh, I printed uh, another 3D printed.
printer piece of news. I printed a really cool little model today. It was a fly press. I mean, probably one of the most detailed 3D models I've ever printed. It's a traditional English fly press, but instead of like the swing arm at the top, it has the the weighted wheel. But I mean, this thing is completely functional. It's good. The lead screw works. The, uh, I mean, everything works. And uh, it's just really cool to print that little fly press out and see it actually function. So I posted that on my Instagram story today. Um, I don't know, maybe you'll get to see that. <clears throat> um, and then once I printed that out, I started thinking how fun it would be to try to make a three-dimensional model of the tire hammer and to uh, print it. So I started messing around with that today and I started designing a, uh, a tire hammer using Tinkercad, the free website I was talking about. And it's working okay, but it's Tinkercad is very beginner oriented. Oh, I'm getting rained on. Tinkercad is really, really beginner oriented. And, you know, with a tire hammer, there's a lot of moving parts. And I think I can do it. I really think I can design it and uh, design the parts so that I can assemble it as a model. And maybe even have it to where it'll, to where it'll work. Or at least to where it'll cycle, cycle the ram. And, uh, but I'm going to have to do something else as far as software. So, I talked to... Brian House today, and because I know he uses a lot of CAD software for designing his Revolution grinders, and he's using Fusion 360, so I think I'm going to get a copy of Fusion 360 and give the old tire hammer design a whirl using that software. So that'll be a little bit of a learning curve, but I've learned to use some pretty complex software packages over the years so I'm not intimidated by that but if I can get it to work uh, I think that'll be really cool I don't know if I don't know of anyone else that's actually designed one of the clay Spencer tire hammers in a three-dimensional model so that it can be 3d printed I think that'd be pretty fun so anyway it's raining I'm about to have to jog back to the house so I'm gonna stop talking see ya Hey, I'm back. I'm in the vehicle. It's, uh, let's see, today is Thursday, May the 20th, and um, I was going to catch you up on a couple things. I got the bottle opener blanks in the mail, and man, did they work so well. It worked really, really great. I was able to forge a bottle opener out from the blank to a finished product in just a few minutes using the fly press and the induction forge. Um, those two tools obviously sped things up a lot, but um, combining those tools with the induction forge, it's just going to make it super easy for me to crank out uh, a bunch of bottle openers for this craft fair um, later in the summer. So anyway, that was a resounding success, and I'm super happy about that. I'm going to order 100 more of those 
Um, I did have some people ask me after I posted about that on Instagram if I was going to be uh, selling those bottle opener blanks. Um, I might do that. Um, if I do, I would have to sell more than one at a time to make it worth it to uh, to mail it to you because, you know, the bottle opener blanks cost me around three bucks. It would cost three to five bucks to mail that. So, you know, you're, you're getting real close to 10 bucks for a bottle opener blank, and I'm just not sure that that's worth it for someone just to order, order one. So, um, anyway, I might look at that, um, at putting those in, in, uh, in batches or something on the website, maybe six or 10 or something like that. But, um, anyway, that was a, that was a big success. It was a lot of fun using the 3d printer to do, to do that. And, uh, man, I'm super impressed with this company send cut send they were just very very easy to work with the website interface was great um super fast they they rushed the order to me and i think i got the order within four days i mean just uh, i think i put the order in on a thursday and it came to me maybe it's friday i put the order in on friday and it came to me on wednesday so that's pretty fast um and I, I was really happy with that. So anyway, uh, that worked out great. And I'm going to continue to work on those throughout the summer. Um, I also started work on the 3D uh, designed and printed tire hammer model that I'm going to work on. And I posted something about that in my Instagram stories today. And I, and I made a, a, an Instagram highlight, which is, you know, that's Instagram's way of keeping stories around for a long time. So if you look at my profile on Instagram and look under my highlights, there should be one called uh, 3D Tire Hammer or something like that. And uh, if you look in that, you'll see all my story posts so far about the tire hammer that I'm making um, using a 3D design program and uh, a 3D printer. And so I got the, I got the frame to finally print correctly. And um, the way this is working out is I have to, I have to take her with it and, um, design it in 3d and then convert that over to the format that my 3d printer understands and then open that file in the, what's called a slicer. And that's the software that the 3d that you format the files for the 3d printer that you have. And so, um, Sometimes what works out well as a three-dimensional design in a CAD program doesn't necessarily print well. You know, um, it doesn't necessarily... The way 3D printers work, or at least the way the FDM 3D printer that I'm using, which is uh, filament deposition modeling, the way that that works is it extrudes filament in very small layers, you know, and then builds upon those layers. And so you have to kind of keep in mind how the object is going to be printed. And so uh, sometimes when you print an object that might have an overhang, you know, it has a piece that's hanging off to the side. Um, well, the printer can't just squirt filament into midair. You know, it's got to have a previous layer to lay it down onto. And so in the 3D printing world, um, something that happens quite often is when you have an overhang or a part that hangs off to the side, um, you know, you, 
you print something called supports and the and the 3d slicer software will figure this out for you but it took me a while to figure out how to print the tire hammer frame with the necessary support structure so that when it was done i could um, end up with a with a working tire hammer frame and so i got that done it took me a few tries and um and so then i moved on to uh working on the tire itself the rim and the tire and that's pretty much all i did today as far as the 3d printer goes um i'd set it up and have it print you know a test piece and uh it would take a couple hours to print a tire and based on how that worked i would either you know have to make some adjustments in, in the 3d program and then go back to the slicer and then to the printer so it's taken quite a while it's probably going to take me a week or more to uh to do all the trial test design and prints until i get a set of parts that print correctly um but anyway i i made some progress on that and uh, it looked pretty cool once i got the little frame stood up and uh, attached a tire to the top it looked pretty neat I don't know if I'm going to be able to actually have a little motor on it I, I was thinking about that today how, how it would be pretty fun to connect a small electric motor to it and have it turn the tire and you know actuate the hammer I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get to that that level of detail and intricacy with it but um, I'm definitely going to have it so that it will function so that when you turn the tire it'll raise the ram up and down I, I think I've figured out how that's going to work so anyway I'm going to keep working on that and hopefully I'll uh, I'll post some videos and pictures over the next few days on Instagram of the process of how that's going so anyway I'm about to go eat with some friends I'll see you later bye all right, I'm back. It's, uh, gosh, Tuesday the 25th, and let's see. I did a little more work on the 3D printed tire hammer. I, I think at this point, I've made up my mind to not try and make a working 3D printed tire hammer. I mean, the, the tire should spin around if you turn it by hand, and it'll raise the ram up and down and that kind of stuff, but... Um, trying to work out all the details to get this thing to actually work is just too much time right now. So I might continue to work on that and uh, fiddle with it a little bit in my spare time. But um, what I found was some of the, trying to print some of these parts, some of these functional parts um, at the scale that I'm working with, which is pretty small, um, the plastic is just a little too thin and it's just not strong enough. And so I've had to recreate some of the parts from Clay's plans uh, in dimensions that are thicker than they really are, um, just so the plastic doesn't break um, when I'm assembling it, putting it, to get, putting, putting it together. But what I think I've decided to do is just make, just make a, you know, a stationary model that's a real representation of a tire hammer. I mean, you, when you look at it, you, you will see all of the necessary parts that make up a Clay Spencer tire hammer and, you know, it will be recognizable and you could theoretically use this model, you know, to demonstrate what's required to put a tire hammer together. And, uh, 
and it'll look really cool, you know, but, um, I think I've just decided to kind of cut my losses at this point with all the time that I've spent. And, and I say all this time that I've spent it's just been like late at night. I sit down to the computer and, and tinker with these things and try to get them to work in three dimensional space. And then occasionally I'm printing a part and seeing if it works. And, um, what I found is that trying to get these functional pieces to work is just really way too time consuming right now with all the other stuff I've got going on in my life. And uh, to that end, what I mean is my son is graduating high school this week. Uh, His graduation is Friday. So uh, we've got a lot of family coming in, which means there's a lot of things around the house that I need to get uh, put together and put in order. Got some yard working to do. So just a lot of stuff I've got to get done. I just made a run to Home Depot and bought some more wood. Um, I'm building a set of cornhole boards. Been meaning to do that for a while anyway, but um, for those of you that may or may not be aware of what cornhole is, you know, it's it's a game that you play in the yard with these two wooden uh, boards that have a hole in them and you throw bean bags, kind of like horseshoes, and you toss bean bags at it and try to get it to uh, either land on the board and stick or fall into the hole or knock your opponent's bean bag uh, out of the way or off the board. It's really a lot of fun. Um, and if you make a good set of the boards, they last quite a while. Um, so that's um, just one more project I'm working on. I've done a lot of house painting and some repairs and stuff in the house lately. Not a whole lot of stuff in the shop. I did finish up that batch of 10 bottle opener blanks. Uh, those all went together really quickly from, from the blanks. And I, I ordered 50 more pieces from Sin Cut Send because those first 10 worked out so well. And uh, I mentioned previously that I was really impressed with that company um, as far as a laser jet steel cutting service. And I noticed that they offer a bunch of different metals. You know, uh, I think they do aluminum, steel, copper, brass. Um, they do some high carbon steels. I think for high carbon, they had 1095 and 1075. And um, I thought it might be nice to do some water jet cut blanks in the 1075. That sounds like it'd be a pretty good material for knives. And um, anyway, I'm going to work on making uh, making up some designs for that and sending that to them and getting a few blanks cut for some knives. Um, but when I sent the... Uh, when I sent the design file back to them this time for this 50 um, bottle opener blanks, uh, they contacted me back and said, hey, we noticed in in the first batch that um, there were several facets, you know, in the the design. And that's because I kind of used a low polygon design in my 3D template, you know, and so it had, it had facets around the circle uh, in the, in the hole. And, um, and they were saying that, you know, those facets mean extra movement on the laser cutting table and the way that their software charges out the work, the smoother the cut, the, the cheaper it is. And so they said, if you can design that and take those facets out and make your, make all your lines more uh, smooth and less faceted, that it can reduce the cost of your part. So I thought that was pretty cool. It was pretty nice of them to reach out. And so I resubmitted a different design and, um, and they altered the price and, 
and um, yeah, saved me a little bit of money. So that was pretty cool. Highly recommend this company. They've been super, super nice to deal with. And the, uh, the user interface in their website is just outstanding. Um, you do need to know how to make a DXF file um, or an SVG laser cutting format file. So if you're not familiar with how to make those files in a CAD program, you need to find somebody that can. But um, if you can get over that hurdle, then um, it's just a matter of sending the design to them and having them approve it and, uh, and send it off to cut. And when you, when you submit an order to them, you know, you get, a, you get a real detailed status on their website of where the order is, whether it's in, in review, uh, if it's in cutting, if it's in deburring, you know, whatever stage it is, um, it shows up and, um, yeah, it's pretty neat. So, once again, can't, re can't recommend that company highly enough. They've been really a lot of fun to deal with. Um, coming up, I've got three small hammer blanks or billets that I formed up the other day that I need to get out. Oh, I had a friend come over the other day and we made a hammer. Um, it's my kid's uh, youth minister at the church. He was intrigued by the process of making a hammer, so I invited him out and we made him a hammer. And uh, He doesn't do blacksmithing, but he's going to keep that hammer at his desk just in case somebody gets out of line. <laughs> but um, that was a lot of fun. First hammer I've made in quite a while. And uh, I ruined a billet. We punched the eye off center. And so he got to learn about that part of the process. And I wound up sticking a hammer eye punch in the second billet. But I was able to get that out by uh, pressing it out on the hydraulic press. And in the end, we, uh, we wound up making a two pound, 14 ounce rounding hammer with a really nice hickory handle and the piece of hickory that we used had some really cool uh figuring in it so turned out to be a really nice hammer and it was a lot of fun to make a hammer again hadn't done that in a while so anyway i'm about home and it's almost time to eat so i will see you later bye all right let's finish this podcast up this will be the last segment uh for this show it's 3 30 in the afternoon on June the 1st, and summer is here. Summer is in full swing here in Mississippi. Um, we actually had a few cool days, though, recently, which was nice, but today is nice and hot. And me and my dog, Biscuit, say hey, Biscuit. He's being quiet. Me and, me and my dog, Biscuit, are riding in the truck on the way back from the post office, mailing off a few packages and uh let's see um i got my package in from sin cuts in with the 50 bottle opener blanks in it and uh man they're just as nice as the first 10 they're actually i think they're a little nicer because of the work that they did uh in helping me to remove some of the faceting faceting i guess that's how you say it the facets in the uh in the cuts from the three-dimensional design work that i had done and uh they actually sent me, I think, a total of 54 blanks on the... Uh, it's a big sheet of cardboard, and the pieces are shrink-wrapped to the, to the cardboard. And then inside the package, inside the, the holes of some of the bottle openers, they had stuck little pieces of Sour Warheads candy 
in the box. So that was kind of funny. But anyway, again, my experience with this company has been uh, 100% positive, and they have over-delivered in every possible way. So, I mean, I'm not getting anything from this company. I'm not getting a dime from them, nor have they given me anything other than what I've ordered and paid for. Um, But they, man, they have really, really impressed me with their um, speed and ease of use and their work ethic, their communication, just everything, top-notch. Great, great people to work with. So if you're thinking about doing something that needs to be laser-cut, I would highly recommend you check these guys out. I think they're in Arizona, if I'm not mistaken, but I know that they are 100% made in the USA. So it's good to support those guys. Go uh, give them a try if you need to. Um, been working on more, uh, a few more stake turners in the shop and, um, I did a little more 3d printing lately. I've, I've been working on, uh, I think I might've mentioned it, uh, the 3d printed model of the Mandalorian rifle. And, um, I only had the one 3d printer in the house that was working. And so I decided to go out to the shop and grab the old ANET A8. 3D printer, which is the first 3D printer that I ever bought. It was one that I bought uh, as a birthday present for my son, and uh, we put it together. It was a kit. I mean, you had to bolt the whole thing together and build it from scratch, and um, it was pretty fun uh, doing the build process of it uh, for it, but it actually, it's a pretty good 3D printer if you can get it tuned right, and um, a little over a year ago, I had some problems with it and got really frustrated trying to fix a couple of the problems and just kind of shoved it into a corner and ordered another printer, the Ender 3, to, uh, to finish doing what I was doing. Um, that was those, uh, the surgical masks during the beginning of the, of the pandemic. I was printing a bunch of those with the ANET and then it and it choked on me and so I needed another printer to continue printing those so that's why I ordered a second printer to begin with but um, I've always wanted to go back and get this ANET working again and so I spent some time the other day and finally got it to work and uh, I started uh, I recruited it to start finishing up the parts for the Mandalorian rifle so now that that's done uh, I'm going to engage both of those 3D printers to uh, printing out a bunch of the little plastic 3D printed anvils because I've started inserting those in all the boxes of things that I ship out. So uh, if you order something from me, you're going to get a 3D printed anvil in the box. If it's a box, you know, if you order something that comes in a, an envelope like a uh, like a cross or a bottle opener that fits in an envelope, then uh, a padded envelope, then I, I won't be putting in uh, 3d printed anvil in there but any of my other things hammers or stake turners or whatnot those things that go in boxes uh, i'm sticking a 3d printed anvil in there just for fun just to have something else in the box um, so once i'm done with this rifle I'll, I'll have those things printing out a bunch of those little anvils which is uh which is kind of fun so me and biscuit are almost back to the house so i'm going to sign off i'll see you in the next show
<laughs> well, I don't know if you can hear that, but those are those are little bullfrogs in a small creek just down from my house. I'm out for a walk. It's uh, about 9.40 at night. Everything's dark, and these frogs are making a racket. But that's uh, that's kind of how it sounds here in Mississippi this time of the year. It's starting to get hot. starting to get real hot and humid. Anyway, I'm going to wrap up the podcast. Just wanted to say thanks again for listening, and I'll see you in the next show. Later. Bye.